guess what? We're going to have a wedding in this sacred sanctuary this coming Saturday. That may sound pretty routine. You know, a summer wedding in a beautiful sanctuary like this. But a wedding in a sanctuary in these days is anything but routine. Across the last five months, this sacred space has been used almost exclusively for recording worship. We had to postpone weddings. We've had to not have funerals in here. We've had to postpone baptisms. And we've missed out on other opportunities that would have been fun for fellowship and building community, all because of COVID-19. And I know some of you have changed some very important plans in your life in the recent months also. The wedding this coming weekend is for the bride, Erin Richardson, who has been a member of this church all her life and is marrying bride, bridegroom Ashby Carter. It's certainly not going to be the wedding that Erin envisioned and dreamed about. The list of those who've been invited has continued to shrink. All the guests will be wearing masks. The wedding festivities have also had to be curtailed because of social distancing and health precautions. But there's going to be a wedding. And Aaron and Ashby will be married this Saturday and there'll be worship and there'll be joyful activity. And that is what the bride and the groom continue to focus on in these unusual times. You've heard me and others preach from that Old Testament book, the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah is undoubtedly my favorite prophet. Jeremiah was a spokesman for God during a very difficult chapter in the life of God's people. During Jeremiah's time, God's people around 600 B.C. had drifted away from faithfulness to God. Called to worship God and God alone, the people were worshiping other gods and doing other kind of things that weren't about worship. Called to lead lives of love and service, there was many examples of selfishness and greed in God's community. Called to live in covenant with God, the people had forsaken God's ways. And because of that unfaithfulness, Jeremiah's message is one of doom and gloom. In fact, Jeremiah preached that the Babylonians, a neighboring nation, would attack and sack the beloved people of Israel. Everything, every aspect of their life as they knew it would be in trouble. The king killed, the temple destroyed, the land taken over, and the people actually carried away, all because of their unfaithfulness to the covenant of God. At least three times in Jeremiah's prophetic message, and as an example of how bad things had gotten, Jeremiah says, there'll be no weddings in the land. You cannot celebrate life and love when you're about to be sacked by a foreign power. 
Jeremiah says, and I quote, an end of the sound of mirth and gladness, the voice of the bride and the bridegroom will be no more. Jeremiah even says, it's not only weddings that will be gone, but funerals too. You'll not be able to gather and sit with grieving people and eat and drink as a punishment, the Lord will banish gladness and joy, the connectedness that happens at both weddings and funerals. Because of unfaithfulness, Jeremiah says, the whole land will become a ruin and a waste. Jeremiah, as much as anyone in Scripture, talks lots about sadness and loss. Talks lots about devastation and despair that can happen in life, even happen to God's beloved people. Life is often filled with heartache and challenge. We know lots about heartache and challenge across the recent months. It flows through our hearts in specific chapters of our lives, even for long seasons. It flows, and it seems to be flowing especially hard in these days as we battle this persistent and complicated coronavirus. We long for an end to this pandemic. Heartache and uncertainty can also flow, too, as we confront major and systemic issues of racial injustice. We have a long way to go toward redemption and renewal and reparations, and refreshment as God's people where liberty and justice are for everyone. But as the book of Jeremiah unfolds and life gets bleaker and bleaker, the prophet offers another reference to the bride and the bridegroom. The prophet mentions weddings again a fourth time. This time, he's able to envision, at some point in the future, a resumption of weddings as young people and their families are willing, once again, to bet on life and love going forward. Jeremiah says, quote, There shall once again be heard the voice of mirth and the voice of gladness, the voice of the bridegroom. And the voice of the bride, the voices of those who sing as they bring thank offerings to the house of the Lord. The prophet Jeremiah reminds us with his anticipation of gladness and mirth at weddings that we can indeed always bet on and live into and invest in the future. We can bet on and invest in and live into the future, have weddings, because finally, life belongs to God. We cannot be sure what happens to us. In fact, very difficult things happen to us, but we can be sure of God. This is Jeremiah's point. The present and the future are always held by God. Jeremiah echoes familiar words of the psalmist when he speaks these words. He says, give thanks to God. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. In the midst of one of the worst seasons of life for God's people, around 600 
B.C., in the middle of the bleakest chapters of all Scripture, perhaps, we're reminded, give thanks to God. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. You see, with God, no matter how bleak it gets, how oppressive it feels, how overwhelmingly beat down, it seems we always have hope. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. This is the great refrain of Scripture. It's in many pages. Give thanks to God. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. The Hebrew word hesed, often rendered steadfast love. That's it. Walter Brueggemann likes to translate it here in this Jeremiah passage, tenacious solidarity. That's what God provides for us. Tenacious solidarity. The scriptures keep reminding us to sing and say it. To keep singing it and keep saying it. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. God's tenacious, loving solidarity is for us. And it's God is with us. God does not abandon God's people. Not in Babylon. Not in difficult times. Not in pandemics. Not ever. God's steadfast love is forever. This should shape everything about our lives. All of us. Always. God is never absent. God is always present in difficult chapters, in seasons of loss and pain, in times of devastation. God is present even in exile in Babylon. God is abidingly faithful. God's steadfast love is forever. Where in your life do you most need to hear that? What's happening in your heart, in your family, in your community, perhaps, when you may be doubting God's presence, God's promises? Where in your life do you most need to trust those echoing words that run through Scripture? God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. We're in a tough time. A recent report by the cardiologist at the Cleveland Clinic have noted an increase in broken heart syndrome during the coronavirus. That's the colloquial name for stress cardiomyopathy, a dysfunction or a failure of the heart muscle caused by psychological and emotional stress. Polls have shown that Americans have experienced increased depression, increased anxiety, and the need has surged for medications for such conditions in the recent months. These are tough times. Maybe it's a medical issue for you or a desperate situation for a loved one. Or maybe it's a chronic journey with depression or loneliness, or despair, or maybe it's a cultural or national crisis. Maybe it's something that keeps you tossing and turning at night, 
Here's the message for today. The consistent refrain of Scripture, the most important promise of God. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. I want to add to this two passages of Scripture that go along with that refrain about God's goodness and God's steadfast love. The first Scripture is easy to remember and it's worth memorizing. It's from Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insights in all your ways. Acknowledge God and God will make straight your paths. The second passage comes from Hebrews 12. Listen. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Even with craziness and challenge and heartache and confusion surrounding us, and guess what? They're often surrounding us. We're called to trust God. We're called to trust God with our lives and keep running the race set before us, surrounded by the great cloud of witnesses, looking to Jesus, knowing that our lives are always held by God and God's steadfast love. One of my favorite all-time hymns is one we're going to sing in just a moment. Ginger and I had this hymn at our wedding. It's entitled, Now Thank We All Our God. This hymn was written by a German pastor named Martin Rinkart almost 400 years ago. It was originally written in a very difficult season of life, season of history. The famous and devastating 30 years war from 1618 to 1648. A war in Central Europe that killed more than 8 million people in that century and 20% of the German population. People died not only from the killing across 30 years of war, but from the disease and hunger that was created from such a long war. Martin Rinkert was the only clergyman in a walled city called Ellenburg in Saxony in the midst of this long war. History tells us that Rinkert did funerals and he buried so many, sometimes as many as 40 or 50 people a day in his surrounding region. So much suffering, so much devastation. Rinkert's wife died in these troubles along with so many others. So Rinkert wrote this hymn as a table prayer 
for himself and his children. In the midst of devastation and loss, the words of this hymn continue to encourage us to trust God, acknowledge God's ways, and keep running our race. Now thank we all our God with hearts and hands and voices who wondrous things hath done in whom this world rejoices, who from our mother's arms has blessed us on our way with countless gifts of love and still is ours today. In the midst of devastation and loss, we trust God and we run our ways. We run our race. Oh, may this bounteous God through all our life be near us with ever joyful hearts and blessed peace to cheer us and keep us in God's grace and guide us when perplexed and free us from all ills in this world and the next. That hymn comes straight out of great difficulty, challenge, loss, death, far worse than our own time, perhaps. Yet the hymn sings of wondrous things and this bounteous God. The hymn invites us to cling to God's grace. We keep singing it no matter what's happening around us. We keep saying it regardless of the challenges that might be pressing in on us. We keep urging it with one another, praying it together, being shaped by these promises. God is good. We trust God, not in ourselves. And we keep running the race set before us. Friends, even a pandemic is outflanked by the tenacity of God. Because of God, we're always people with hope, relentless hope. This is what we trust. We're God's people no matter what. God is tenacious and steadfast. We keep running the race. This is what the people of God are called to do day in, day out, month in, month out, season after season. God is good. God's steadfast love is forever. And we can, in that good news, also, for sure, keep striving to serve God. You know, working in the world, bringing about God's purposes of joy and justice through our kindness, through our love, through our forgiveness, through our energy in this city and as far as we can go. We keep seeking to trust God and serve God. May God show us the way. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To trust you. To lean into your steadfast love and abiding faithfulness. To serve you with our lives. Well, that, O oh God, we know. That allows us to abide forever. Show us that way. We follow Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.